Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Welcome to this show. We're just getting back here after the holidays. User-Friendly stands with our friends in Ukraine. And we invite you to check out President Zelensky's United 24 campaign to raise money for getting supplies, demining, and all the other things they're having to deal with over there. Check it out at wearetechnology.com and click on We Stand With Ukraine. Jeremy and Gretchen, welcome to this week's show. Hello. Hello there. So we got a lot of kind of cool stuff coming up here. We're going to be doing an interview with a group of people that we had a couple of weeks ago and then got preempted that are doing their own comic book. And it's really kind of a cool thing. You might have already heard this if you got the podcast, but uh, we're going to have it again here on the air coming up. Chaz Wellington in Las Vegas is going to be joining us this week, and he is talking about a trade show having to do with hospitality technology, and they've got some just really interesting state-of-the-art. I mean, you know, talk about sci-fi hitting reality. It's, we're starting to see that, you know, and it's uh, the, the walking around the room with true holographics and robots and smart tables, and we're going to get into all that. So it's really, really cool. We're also going to be talking about cell phone battery life. This has been an issue that uh, we've been getting a lot of questions out. And yes, there are ways to be able to change your settings to get your phone to work a little bit better and turn off functions that you may not need or may not even know are running. That was at least what I found out. So we'll be getting into that here a little bit later in the show as well. So guys, what do we have in the news this week? A house has been 3D printed from bio-based materials. Yeah, so this is kind well, this is kind of a little bit of an upgrade on something that we've talked about before. 3D printed houses is a state-of-the-art thing that they've been playing with a little bit with the idea of trying to help the housing shortage. Now, this kind of takes it a step further in that we are looking at something here that's being done with materials that are good on the environment. So that takes, kind of takes it a step further, and it is something that uh, definitely is kind of cool. I am really looking forward to seeing these type of technology be used at scale. You know, right now it's a prototype thing, and it, it's right. cool, uh, but there are some barriers to entry still out there. So we need to uh, keep going, but this is where you start, and what they've got going there I think is really cool. Hmm. Mercedes offers acceleration increase as a $1,200 subscription. Yes, this I don't think is as cool. Um, so, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you, you know, for a while now, we have talked about the fact that car manufacturers are trying to do with your car what cell phone providers have done with your phone, which is where you buy all these upgrades after you buy the vehicle to keep it generating technology or uh, not technology, but income. We talked a while back about an idea that BMW is putting forward to where your car basically comes with every feature that's made. But if you want to use them, you have to pay a fee to turn them on, which may be a subscription or a one-time shot. And then the caveat is if you sell your car used, they generally turn them all back on. So the next buyer has to pay for them again. Now, Mercedes, not wanting to be outdone by this, seems to be bringing this app to fruition. Uh, They're calling it in the industry a very expensive app for that. And it is $1,200 subscription. And what it is, is for this cost, which, by the way, you pay every year. So it's not a one-time deal you get an increase in your car's output. So it brings up your zero to 60 time. You bring up other different things, your acceleration, that kind of stuff, but you got to pay for it. And that type of a situation, I don't know how this is going to go over with buyers. But I know in the past when we've talked about this stuff on the show, 
it's been kind of not well received to put it mildly. Mm-hmm. So we'll have yeah. to see what happens with this. I know another one, Toyota, if you want remote start, some of those features, they'll only work for 10 years and you have to pay for them again, or they might not be renewable. So we're kind of seeing this across the board. Enerza is developing a robot named Boa that uses 5G to snake across power lines and report looming problems to utility companies. I have a couple of companies that I think need this. Yeah, yes. so I can think of a few right off the bat, <laughs> especially after the storm last week that knocked out the power three times. So yeah, it's um, definitely, you know, we've talked about this being the year of the robot. It certainly has not disappoint, disappointed us in that respect. And this is another direction where this is going. It uses 5G communication to be able to send the information back and runs up and down power lines to look for problems. And we're actually seeing parallels to this technology for train tracks and a variety of other things out there. So it is definitely something that increases safety, increases reliability, finds problems before they become problematic and break down a given system, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So I can see this type of thing really being adopted in many different ways and many different versions of it. Another related robot like this goes into things like petrochemical plants, areas where there's pipes and stuff that humans can't easily get into or that might be dangerous to find leaks and problems like that. Another version of a very similar technology. So definitely something that uh, is here, not even so much on the horizon anymore. Tech company wants to cure brain ailments with teeny tiny robots. Yeah, speaking of sci-fi, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> are they using nanites? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know if we're quite there yet, or nanoprobes if you want to go full board, right? So no. Um, <laughs> huh. So if the Borg reference from Star Trek isn't your thing, let's talk the Matrix. If this was the Matrix, you wouldn't want a robot climbing into your head. No. No. But now imagine if instead of trying to suck the life out of you, these were robotic lifesavers. And that's kind of what they're going with here. This is something that's been produced by members of the team that created Apple's Face ID. And what they've done is put together a company that has created this. These are injected into your body. They're designed to be able to bring medication, drugs, that kind of a thing into your brain, specifically as required, so you don't get it into the rest of your body, which is something that can definitely get out side effects and a number of other things. Ah. Then after they're done, they extract them. Huh. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> the extractant sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you know, you know I, I guess, but if you're at the point that you would need this kind of a thing, maybe it's not so bad. So the company that's doing it is called Bionaut Labs. and They've had some other robotic breakthroughs, so it's going to be interesting to see where this ends up going. Cheap, sensor-based agriculture could slash water use by up to 70%. And, you know, I think this is a great thing. What I can't figure out is why this hasn't been thought of before. So basically what they're hmm. doing is using smart sensors, like I've had in my backyard for two years, to be able to tell what needs to be watered and be able to get water to where it's required instead of kind of just everywhere. The idea is water reduction, and with all the droughts going on and that type of thing, it can be very beneficial. Now, I've had a version of this technology on my yard's water timer that controls the system. If it rains, it shuts it off. It can control stations that need to be watered and others that don't, and you can program it to do different things. So this is just that, but on a much bigger scale. I'm sure there's a certain amount of cost to deploy this, but at the end of the day, it'll be offset by the fact that, especially in some of the environments where we're really having the problems with droughts now, that you'll still be able to have agriculture. Hmm, that's cool. Android Auto Cool Walk finally shows up for some beta testers. 
So Coolock, for anybody that doesn't know, is a version of the user interface. It splits the Android Auto UI into multiple cards. Hmm. And what that allows users to do is run several side-by-side apps on their dashboard. So Android Auto and CarPlay are systems where you can plug your phone into the car and essentially get the navigation screen along with some other resources on your car's screen. Um, It's kind of cool from some standpoints, but a lot of auto dealers, as we've talked about, are using this as an excuse not to include navigation systems and that type of a thing anymore. And there's definitely a argument that we've talked about in the past on that. But that not being the case so much here, it's the idea of CoolWalk. So CarPlay, Apple's system has had this type of a thing for a while now. Android Auto's kind of looked like an older style interface with its flat screen. So this was an upgrade that was promised last summer. It didn't happen. Now, the odd thing about it is it's actually been in the latest versions, several of them of Android Auto, but it hasn't been turned on by Google. So in order to get to it, you could root your phone and go in and and do it that way if you know how. But it's something that people have been asking for. And we're finally starting to see it on a few of the beta accounts. And hopefully... We'll be seeing it everywhere else in the near future. So we'll see what happens with that. I don't expect it by the end of the year at this point, but one can always hope. Experimental smart bandage speeds healing by zapping chronic wounds. So that sounds cool. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. This So what they're talking about here is essentially a bandage, like a Band-Aid, that has uh-huh. circuitry on it. And what yeah. it does is it uh, uses electricity to speed up healing. This is something that was created by scientists over at Stanford, Stanford University. And it's very thin. It's got a rubbery skin-like gel that lies in contact with the wound. And like they say, it just makes things heal faster. So what they're targeting this towards is things like burn scars, be able to heal that faster, or deep lacerations, anything that uh, is a wound that would cause problems, potentially get infected, and any wound would be uncomfortable to be able to take that and just get it done faster. So just another example of where technology is being used in the healthcare industry, they're saying that it ups screen regrowth by about 50%. Well, stay with us. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Gretchen, we have a whole bunch of people joining us today. I noticed that. That's great. So let's go down the list. Everybody, let's just have you guys introduce yourselves. And if you talk over each other, we'll figure it out. Avi, why don't we start with you? Oh, yes. Sure thing, Bill. So my name is Javier. I'm 25 years old. I'm from Las Vegas, Nevada. And I've been writing comic books uh, for almost a year now. That is too cool. Jordan, tell us about yourself. Hey guys, my name is Jordan Salazar. I'm Javier's younger brother. I live in Vegas as well, and I've been writing comic books for the same time that he is. Too cool. And Chase? Yes, uh, I'm Chase. I'm 25 years of age as well. Um, I'm Javier's best friend. We've known each other since uh, seventh grade. Um, And yeah, we've all just been going on this comic book journey. All right, so Javi, I'm going to direct this question at you to start with, and then anybody jump in that would like to contribute. Tell us about your comic book and how you got started and what it's about. 
Yeah, sure thing. So the Wombat is actually our first ever superhero in the Ounce Comics universe. Uh, so the Wombat number one is our exciting debut of this action-packed six-part series, and it follows the main character, Miguel, on his challenging journey to embrace his powers and become the mighty protector known as the Wombat. This is a classic superhero origin story full of action, drama, enticing storytelling, and the story explores challenging situations and deep personal issues. So the story synopsis is that as young Latino Miguel Mota struggles to overcome misfortune and explore his newfound powers, new evil lurks in the shadows of Pacific City. Ruthless supervillains terrorize the city on a relentless hunt to capture a mysterious wombat by any means necessary. So there's far more left to uncover in this savage hunt as there's a cold and calculated bloodthirsty figure operating from behind the shadows on a quest for vengeance. Uh, my brother, Jordan, he can actually tell you a little bit more about who the Wombat is and a little bit more about our, our main uh, character. All right, Jordan, take it away. Absolutely. My pleasure. So, uh, as you said, we follow Miguel Moda, right, better known as the Wombat. He was actually a former high-flying luchador turned crime fighter in Pacific City. Uh, he's a troubled Latino who is overcoming some personal guilt, anger issues, you know, in light of recent injustices and difficult circumstances. Um, some of his powers include super strength, incredible speed and agility, and he has powerful striking wombat claws. Um, we want him to serve as a beacon of hope and nobility, no determination, perseverance, and hope. And yeah, he's just uh, kind of like a hopeful figure to look up to, you know? All right, so Chase, I'm going to throw this one out at you, and if it's not for you, just throw it to whoever. What did it take to get published? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we actually spent quite a bit of time um, writing the story in the first place. Uh, it actually was an eighth-month-long process. Um, Javier himself, he could go more into it. He had to contact some Brazilian artists, um, so, so we had to look and see what kind of artists really stuck out to us. And which ones really resembled um, the character, the the wombat that we wanted to, you know, display? Um, but yeah, Javier, you want to go more into the the publication? Yeah. So we actually are self publishing. So we're we're uh, creating everything from scratch, aside from the artwork. So we're writing everything, producing everything, uh, distributing everything. So we're actually being sold in several comic book stores across Vegas, L.A., and here on the islands of Hawaii. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're making everything. So we're, we're uh, printing the books, publishing it on our website, uh, releasing it on our website, every, everything, everything we're doing in-house. So it seems like there would be a, really a lot of disciplines going in this, almost like making a movie in a way, because you're going to have art, story, the actual printing process, all of those type of things. What kind of issues did you guys run into? And anybody take this that wants to answer it? And, and what did you do to get around them? I, I think a huge thing was dialogue. Um, you know, when, when you're writing into something, you're kind of putting your heart out into it. So you kind of get a little bit caught up in, you know, putting your own sense into the character. Um, with this one, I know it resembled a lot of um, the background and just kind of the personas of, uh, you know, all of us. But it, it was kind of hard to restrain yourself from like putting your own um, character into uh, into the dialogue. Because each character that you make separately, you know, you're going to have to have them have their own certain background, origins, um, character arc, right? So uh, that's something that you kind of have to say a little bit disciplinary on. 
Yeah, you know, just like all the different storylines that we're kind of looking to make too, intertwining all those, uh, keeping everything, you know, in check. It is uh, it's definitely a lot, but it's, uh, it's a lot of fun too at the same time, you know, just kind of expanding this universe and hoping for so much more, you know? Yeah, exactly. When you say, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, no, go, go right ahead. But the question I was going to ask is your self-publishing, which means that you're having to deal with all the logistics, you know, for me in the end. It's not a copyright and all that kind of stuff i would imagine too and actually gretchen go ahead and go with that question um what have you what have you done to do the copyright because you got to protect yourselves oh yes so uh yeah Uh, as you guys are saying copyrights logistics all that uh so the the book inherently has its own copyright so as we publish it on our website uh we sell it in stores you know we we make ourselves known uh it, it comes with copyright however we still have to trademark all the names and the the comic series titles and and whatnot uh that is coming real soon so we we're just getting the paperwork together and as you've described too there's a lot of stuff that goes into this so it's it's not just plotting the stories and connecting everything and creating everything from scratch this cohesive universe but we also have to tackle logistics right print the books get them shipped out package them uh, get them in stores, t- uh, talk to the store owners, uh, attend comic book conventions, you know, bring all the merchandise, all the, all the, the t-shirts and the posters, uh, you know, keep it in, in stock, sell it to people who order it online. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it, you, uh, running the website, uh, running social media. So, you know, we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're definitely a one-man army tackling yeah. everything <laughs> across the board. You know, we're uh, sounds- typically, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, continue. It it sounds like you're building your own Marvel or DC. It, are you going for that? Uh, yeah, essentially, yeah. yeah it, it, uh, we're you know we're going for it. Uh, we're we're our own take on you know what the the greats have done before. You know, Marvel, DC, Image, Dark Horse. Um, yeah, we're we're standing up our own self publishing company, making our own original superhero comics. That's terrific. So to our to our listeners out there, this sounds like an absolutely incredible holiday present, something very unique. Give us your website and your social media. How do we find you online? Yeah, absolutely. So right now, just to let you know, the, uh, the Walmart number one. So it's available at ouncecomics.com. So that's O-U-N-C-E-C-O-M-I-C-S.com. And then we have digital comics available for uh, only, it's 99 cents. They're super cheap. Um, so go check out the best superhero comic that's out right now. We're really excited for you guys to read it. I'll tell you what, and I am looking forward to it too. And we'll have that website on our social media. So check it out from there. Guys, the best of luck to you with this. And thank you for joining us here on the show. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. One user friendly on Facebook, one user friendly on Twitter, userfriendlyshow.com. Or check us out at our radio station, KPAM, theanswerportland.com. These are all places you can play back episodes of the show, listen live, or submit your questions. So this week's Tech Wednesday is actually based on a couple of listener questions that came in having to do with cell phone battery life. 
And on both Android and iPhones, you can go through your batteries very quickly. And there's ways to be able to turn down certain applications and certain activities so that you can drastically increase that battery life. So the iPhone's a little bit more direct than the Android, so we'll go ahead and start with that. Battery life options are under settings, general, background, app refresh. And in there, you can select Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi and cellular data, or turn off background app refresh and those type of things. And then the other thing on that is if the mail app lists background activity, you can choose to fetch data manually or increase the fetch interval. And that's under settings, accounts and passwords, fetch new data. Some of the other things that you can do on your iPhone include optimizing location and background location settings. And you can go and turn these off in settings, privacy, location services. So these are just some of the different things you can do. Some of the other options on that too would be to lower the brightness on your screen, a few things like that. These can all drastically affect your battery life. And if you're going for a very long time, there's actually a low power mode on your iPhone that you can turn on and that will increase things by handling a lot of this automatically. Now, Android also has these features, but it's a little bit more interesting to get into it because it's not accessible right out of the box. What you have to do is turn on developers mode and to be able to do that, what you do is you click on settings and then about phone and then build number. That's actually an option in there. It'll then prompt you to go to a menu where you're just going to be looking at the screen. And what you have to do there is tap the screen seven times. And then it'll prompt you to enter your PIN code or your Android pattern, which you use to unlock the phone. And that'll permanently turn on developers mode so that you can get into these settings. So, you know, nothing unusual or, or uh, cryptic about that process, so sarcasm sign intended here. Once you get into that, you have a lot of similar settings that you do on the iPhone, limiting background processes. And this especially is good for older phones or phones with minimal amounts of memory. This can limit the number of background apps open and running at any one time. It will help conserve your battery. You can set the background process limit there. Restrict background data along these lines too. And the same thing is on the iPhone. You can set whether you want it to fetch data when you want it to do it, whether it's on Wi-Fi or mobile data or turned off completely. Now, the one thing about turning off background data completely is you may not get updates in a timely fashion. So you'll want to play with those settings a little bit to see what works for you. The other thing which actually has benefited me quite a bit is limiting the phone's ability to scan for Bluetooth and Wi-Fi networks. Now, Wi-Fi, I left on because as I'm traveling stuff, I like to know when there's an open network or something that's available with Bluetooth. I really don't need it scanning unless I'm actively adding a device to the phone. So I turned that off, and that actually did make quite a difference, even on a much newer phone. So some of these things can do that. Another thing is location history. Like on your iPhone, you can turn this off so that it is not tracking for things like Google Maps. That will save battery life, and it's also a privacy issue. You may want to do that notwithstanding the battery life. That's where you go to do it. One other thing that Android does offer is the ability to disable sensors. So this is a function where you can go into your settings and turn off specific options for sensors on the phone. So hardware sensors are things like uh, they measure the motion, orientation, environmental conditions, that kind of a thing related to your phone. And some of the stuff that you may not need, you may not even want, if you turn them off, it will save your battery life. And again, changing some of these settings can cause problems with certain apps that may rely on them. So if you have it do something weird afterwards, just remember what you turned off so that you can go back in and adjust it back if you need to. 
The other thing is something called usage on your Android phone. And whether you realize it or not, certain cell phone usage information is shared with Google when your phone experiences slowdowns. And this info is usually about battery level, Bluetooth connections, and related things from that. But you can shut this off. So again, it's settings. Then go to Google. Tap the three-dot menu in the upper right of your screen. Check usage and diagnostics. And then switch it to off. So all of these things are items that you can take into consideration. Again, some of the other more basic things are to minimize your screen brightness because the screen will use a lot of your battery. Stuff like that is something that uh, you might want to take into consideration. Just figure out what you need on and turn the rest of it off. So, you know, let us know if this works for you. If you've been having battery problems and make some of these changes, shoot us an email, oneuserfriendly.com. I'm sorry, one user friendly on Facebook and Twitter or userfriendlyshow.com. See, I can get that right. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Joining us now, Chaz Wellington from Las Vegas at the NHLA Hotel Technology Conference at Blackfire Innovation. Chaz, welcome to the show. Hey, Bill. Uh, Gretchen, Jeremy, it's great to be back. Absolutely. So tell us about the Hotel Technology Conference. What is this and uh, what do you think of it? Uh, it's never a disappointment. It's the second annual Hotel Technology Conference. and. Uh, it's put on by the Nevada Hotel and Lodging Association, and it's always a phenomenal event. Uh, this year is no exception. It's uh, started off this morning with, of course, registration, but the, the FBI, Las Vegas Division, gave a seminar on cybersecurity. We had a speed networking session, and we're looking forward to lunch soon, but there's a lot of other activities happening. And this is based around hotel technology and advancements, and there's a lot going on. So one of the first things that came to mind when we were talking before we started recording is that it looks like they're starting to introduce some holographic technology. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I think we spoke about this last year when we did Blackfire Innovation or on a previous show, but uh, the, the screens, they want to advertise with hologram, uh, how they can better reach the guests, but it's more an interactive experience in the rooms where they can order, they can play games, they can uh, just have something to do while they're in the room other than obviously just watch the TV. Right. And, I knew, you know, we did talk about it last year, but more just kind of in theory um, before. And I'm going to see if we maybe we can put this out on our social media. But just the video that was coming from your cell phone of the screen. So this is the first time I've saw it. And you could actually tell over the cell phone video over the Internet that they were holographic. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah, really. Cool. It was. Yeah, I was quite surprised that you all were able to tell that it was holographic. And uh, so they yeah, have two yeah. different screens set up, uh, one horizontally, yeah. one vertically. Uh, obviously, the one vertically is for the advertisements and such, but it's really uh, a great product. And it's by a company that's been around for a while. It's called Magnetic 3D. And it's just an amazing product. The Coca-Cola cap that I'm looking at right now, you can just about grab it. So, you know, it just 
It, yeah, so, it sounds amazing. We can tell there's a lot going on behind you there. We can hear some of it right over the broadcast. So it sounds like this is something that's pretty popular. Another question I'm going to ask you, what is shark pool? A, a shark pool is the equivalent to shark tank that you see on TV. And okay. the, Univ- the, the Univel, I can't speak, UNLV puts this on for students that have groups within the uh, hospitality technology realm. They are able to uh, present their ideas here for Shark Tank. Cool, that's awesome. So, what are some of the what are some of the new things that you're seeing this year that that you consider to be innovative? Uh, well, definitely what we just spoke of the 3D, but there's a lot of uh, innovations in the gaming realm, the type of games that are coming out. Uh, they're still using Bravo, which is good. It's uh. And it's it's a process in which the guests playing at the table, their ratings can be uh, automatically recorded and entered without uh, any human interaction. So uh, their average bet, their time played on the game will be automatically answered. So that's a great innovation that's coming more uh, prominent across the board, as well as the cleaning technology and the uh, stadium game is what we call, where there's no dealer, there's a uh, just a screen with a picture of two D image of a dealer, and the players play it screens in a stadium fashion, and so the advancements are really coming uh, up. There. No, it, it definitely sounds like at the smart table that you were just talking about. I'm, I'm calling it that. I know it's a different name. Seem very interesting. Now, do you think this is going to eventually replace things like the players' cards, or do you think it'll augment those type of systems, or is its purpose something completely different? Well, over the years, uh, a lot of feedback from guests have been that you know they still want a dealer, and so they've integrated the they've eliminated the table per se, and they put you know, like I said, stadium seating on the screen, but you still have a live dealer spinning the ball for the roulette wheel or the blackjack shoot, uh, the, the, the card will still be there because you're always going to have table games with live dealers, but that's where we're moving toward. I don't think that we'll ever get rid of live dealers. Yeah, I think there's a nice interaction between people when, when I think they like the real life thing, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, and I, and I, can, I, I agree with what Gretchen's saying there. I think that uh, you know, having both available because you're giving your guests choice totally makes sense. And from what you're saying, they're not doing away with the dealer. They're just augmenting it and having an additional experience, which I think that's totally cool. I, I know, you know, I play, um, what is it, roulette and craps sometimes. I'm, I'm not a huge casino person, but when I am in there, those are the games that I like. And I do like playing with a dealer. There's a bit of a social interaction that goes on with that. But I can see where this could be really beneficial, too, especially when you get to a table that's super busy. Because you you can be looking at ten minutes of spin, and it seems like this type of a thing could completely eliminate those type of problems and speed up the gameplay. Absolutely, it does increase the hands per hour. So, so let me ask you another question. One of the other headlines that they advertise with the show you're at is this idea of going completely cashless. Now, it's for a while in casinos you've played where you maybe use a credit card to buy in, and then. You get a ticket and you cash out at the cashier, but you don't have the coins coming out of the slot machines and all that anymore. What does it mean to completely go cashless? And what are they actually talking well, about here? 
there's a couple of avenues for that. So you would never really go cashless per se. Um, so as a guest can get credit at a casino, they can get a marker at the table. It would be in the same fashion. They would upload or buy in cash and upload it on their player's card. Okay. And they would be able to use those funds at the table. Uh, as far as another uh, cashless avenue would be cryptocurrency. Uh, many casinos now are accepting cryptocurrency uh, given the player has certain criteria. And they would also be able to use that as front money at the table. So there's a couple of different avenues. You wouldn't necessarily be using 100% cashless. Right. No, but that sounds interesting. As long as your crypto didn't lose its value from the time you cashed in, which seems to be yeah. happening lately. All right, Chaz, thank you. That's our time today. Chaz Wellington, NHLA Hotel Technology Conference at Blackfire Innovation. We will be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. That whole show just seems cool. I'm gonna have to. I haven't been in a casino in a couple of years, so I'll bet you it's changed a lot. You know, sounds like it. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it really does. I know down in Reno they're building a big new one. It was just on the news this week uh, over by the Atlantis there on South Virginia and Kitsky, which looks like it's going to be really cool. It's all glass. It's really pretty, actually. Oh. The rendering. So uh, you know, the technology I think definitely matches and. It's really cool to, to talk about that. So you guys have been watching a show called Wednesday. I actually could remember the name of this one. I believe it was on Netflix. So tell us what's happening on Wednesday. Well, it's basically uh, Adam's family, but it's just Wednesday. She's uh, gone to a boarding school, and uh, it's it's Tim Burton. So everybody's going to enjoy that part because yeah. it's, you know, really it, – it's called a comedy horror, which, yeah, sure. <laughs> There's a disembodied hand running around. I mean, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> that's important. Yes. <laughs> it, it's It's been uh, a really good show. We actually were forced to um, watch every episode because it was just so awesome. <laughs> Visually, it's beautiful. The acting is beautiful. The film work is beautiful. The story uh, keeps you engaged. It's unpredictable. Yeah, it is unpredictable, which is really nice. Um, I only figured out one of the, one of the mystery, you know, one of, one of the mysteries that was going on. Um, but otherwise I, I didn't. And, um, I, I think it's worth take, checking out, especially if you love, uh, Tim Burton stuff. Yeah. It, it, then you're going to love this. Yeah. It's, it's okay, so got, is, it, is it like one season? How many episodes? It's eight episodes, one season so far. Okay. So we'll see if they get it. They bring in another one. Mm-hmm. And it's on Netflix. Yep. All right. So now that sounds uh that sounds like something definitely worth checking out. I haven't gotten I'm really behind on my TV view and I've got to admit I just uh it's been a busy fall and those type of things. So it's really kind of cool to hear about this and maybe going into the holidays I'll have a little more time now to be able to check some of this stuff out. Yeah. And Andor is is another one you need to look at. Yeah, Andor we're going to talk about in a little more depth in an upcoming episode, but that is the new Star Wars on Disney Plus, the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, I have to agree with you. That one I actually have seen. It's one of the few that, uh, I was able to sit down and watch, kind of binge watch it. I think it's all out there now, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it seems like I was able to watch it to the end of the season. So in any event, um, I agree. Now I will say one thing, and this isn't a spoiler. 
But if I was to give a critique on it, they need more aliens. But, yeah, that that was my feeling. Yeah, yeah. but that being said, the acting was great. I the storylines were wonderful. Um, everything that the last movie was, this is the opposite of. It's definitely worth checking out. <laughs> <laughs> so there you are, Andor on Disney Plus Wednesday on Netflix. Latest things to check out over the holiday season. And this is User Friendly 2.0. Until next week, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2022. User Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. The views and opinions on this show are those of the host and not necessarily those of the User Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensed by BMI. Hosting provided by WeirdTechnology.com. Podcast available at UserFriendlyNation.com, TheAnswerPortland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.